it's a sad and bad day in college sports today. There's no way to sugarcoat it. But we'll try to find some good stories to give you as well. I'm Alan Caps. That's Mikey Watson. This is Sixth Year Seniors. Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. I'm tired of losing to Purdue. I'm not here to round this week. That's why I got a college skip. That's why I was an All-American in Michigan. It's I could give a shit about North Carolina right now. Mikey, how you doing? It's cold up here in sixth year seniors north. Oh wait, wait a minute, you're you're in north now? Yeah, we're yeah we're north. I'm north now. I'm north for the week again. Oh wait a minute, that's right, that's right. You are not in South. I've forgotten. Yeah, and it turns out we, we did half of our half of our kickoff event wound up outside today, where it was forty degrees with probably a thirty degree wind chill, and I'm dethawing my face right now. It's all good. Oh man, well we we had a beautiful storm here in in sixth year seniors west. Uh, there is a ton of snow in the mountains. The skiers are thrilled at this point. Now the only trick is, how do they get there? Because unlike Coach K, there's a real reason to not drive in the snow up here. <laughs> Got to still get our Coach K digs in even That's though he's nice. retired. Oh, especially because he's retired. Our, our chances are running out. <laughs> so before we get to the off-court, off-field news, Let's talk about Army and Navy, who slept walk through 60 minutes and then gave us two overtimes of crazy football. Army 20, Navy 17. Yeah, I was t- I-, I saw none of this. All I know is that at one point, and I don't know if this was in the second quarter or the third quarter, there was a very real possibility of the game finishing with zero completed passes. Oh, that that actually was like well into the fourth quarter, I think. Oh, good God. Navy only completed one pass, and it was in overtime. Oh, good Lord. So it was as bad as advertised. Yes, it was. From an offensive standpoint. Let's put it this way. Uh, It was 10-10 at regulation, and I really thought they may as well just go to the third overtime tiebreaker at that point because I didn't see any way that either team – could sustain a 25-yard drive to be able to get create. Oh, a good point. Yeah. And so, what happens in the first overtime? Literally one play each, and they put up a 25-yard touchdown. Oh, how's that work? I mean, what the hell? I thought they'd be fighting for field goals, and it might be 16-16 going into the third overtime. Into the two-point conversion shootout. <laughs> well, yeah. So a- after 10-10. And only one offensive touchdown, because Army's touchdown came on a block punt recovered in the end zone. Correct. And, and actually, Navy's came on a 77-yard run by Anton Hall. So, I mean, they did nothing the entire game. The longest drive in regulation was 37 yards. Actual drives, yeah. Yeah. 
So in overtime, Markel Johnson busts a 25-yard run on the first play of their overtime. And then Mockwell Hayward catches the first Navy-completed pass from Xavier Airline on Navy's first play. Bang, we're into overtime number two in two plays. And then we had the we had the drama at the goal line. Yeah, the drama at the goal line. Hall falls right at the goal line. Good call by the refs. He never broke the plane. Are we sure? Did we have to break out the Pythagorean theorem again? <laughs> oh, okay, good point. I don't think they broke out the Pythagorean theorem. Okay, it's, uh, we need we need more of this in college football. <laughs> we need yeah we, we we need mathematic majors in the announce booths, or or maybe on the field as a referee. Any, I'll take whatever we can get right now. Hey, you know, that's something they ought to do. Since this is college football, they ought to have the schools that the referees went to and the majors that they graduated with. <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> I bet you none of them have calculus as their major. I'll, just, I'll settle for trigonometry. I'm not asking for <laughs> calculus. So anyway, Hall fumbles at the goal line. Army recovers. And then I think Army moved the ball about four yards to kick the game-winning field goal. Army sings second. Again. And this is the first time in 16 years that they went over the total, which closed at 32. Yeah, and it needed obviously it needed overtime to do it. So there's an asterisk there next to it. So we have yeah, to but they only needed one year. of the two overtimes to do it. Good point. Yeah, Army, by the way, was two for 12 passing for 28 yards. Wow. And I'm pretty sure both of them came in the fourth quarter. I want to use this as a jump off point here. Navy going, going to replace their football coach after a, after Saturday. In a college football world so transformed by the transfer portal, what's the future of Army-Navy look like from a yeah. Division One FBS standpoint? Well, they, they've, they haven't been Division One in a long time. I mean, they are in name only, but they barely make bowl games and you know, you know, they're never going to the playoffs. So are they really division one right now? And I guess what I'm saying is what's their future. Eh, they could drop down and nobody would notice. If, if I, I, think, I, I, th- I think it's going to come a time very quickly that about half of the division one football is going to drop down into some other secondary division and, well, that's uh, common you know, down and the Army pipe, and Navy yeah. and go with them. And, and some of the FCS schools will go up. And I think that will be our best description and entertainment value of college football. It won't be the pros. I think you could have about 80 or 90 teams between what's left of D1 and those coming up from FCS. That wouldn't take anything away from the Army-Navy game, by the way. No, it would not. It yeah. would not so, at all, because it's yeah. still college football. Yeah. All it does is it gets rid of the schools that really aren't playing college football. They're playing semi-professional right now. What a concept. It's not that it's, it's not that freaking hard, guys. I mean, come on. I, I said that a year ago, at least a year ago. Oh, yeah. We've, said that on the, we've been saying that on the show for a few years now. Not being part of the transfer portal will hurt them in the fact that they cannot get talent, but at the same time, they don't lose talent. Yeah. Well, how does the transfer portal affect them? Uh, not at all. But there's 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 nothing to. They can upgrade their talent in the same means that everybody else can. No, but they also won't downgrade their talent in the same means everyone else has. 
Very true. I mean, there's there's what sixty nine quarterbacks out on transfer portal. None of them are from Army, Navy, or Air Force. No, absolutely not. Grant, I'm not sure where any of those three might go. To. Uh, okay, Keys Edwards. I think his last name is Edwards. The Air Force quarterback. He might be able to go somewhere. But the other two, no. It's just a totally different sport. It really is. I, I heard the game announcers talking a lot about the cut blocking, how that has affected Army, Navy, and Air Force this season. But frankly, this is the first time I've heard announcers talk about it. And I've watched a number of Army, Navy, and Air Force games this year. I, I think they just created a talking point for this game. That sounds about right. So, and unfortunately, Army gets the six wins, but they played two FCS opponents, so they're not going bowling. It's a bummer, but hey, those are the rules, and the NCA wouldn't give them a break. At least they gave New Mexico State the break, so that's good. Yeah. And like I said, like we talked in last week's show, New Mexico State tried to schedule another FBS opponent. Army did not try. Exactly. And Rice thanks them for that. So anywhere, anything else we want to talk about for Army, Navy, before we get into the uh, the bad stuff that's been breaking over the last, what, three or four days here? Nothing on Army, Navy. Caleb Williams wins the Heisman Trophy. Oh, that's oh. right. Yeah, you, you've you been on my case that I've been forgetting about the Heisman Trophy for like the last week, week and a half. And Yeah, it's... It... On your case, I mean that's a, that's a, I guess that's a fair. I w- I wasn't like going out of my way. Oh my god, we have to talk about the Heisman Trophy. We have to one hundred percent. We have to talk about the Heisman Trophy. No, never got to that. Uh, but I was hoping that that Max Duggan could win it in an upset. Wasn't in the cards. I think if the voting had not started as early as it did, Max Duggan would have won it. If voting didn't start until say a week ago. Why, why is that still allowed? We are in a world where I can vote for the Heisman Trophy with a single click of my mouse button <laughs> on my laptop computer. And we're, you're telling me we're going to open up the voting before all the games are finished being played? What kind of bullshit is this? Uh, it's called the Heisman Trophy Committee, and they are about as backwards as the college football playoff committee. Except there's not bags of money involved, at least as far as I know. Oh, you might be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah I, fact- I, I'm, I'm totally with you. I do not understand. Okay, here's the question. It's not, it's not so much that the technology isn't there. It's why do voters vote so early before the season's over? I, either the committee should prevent them from doing so, Yes. Or maybe those who are allowed to vote maybe shouldn't be allowed to vote if they're voting that early. 100% agreed on both fronts. 100% agree on both fronts. If if you're not if you're allowing folks to if you're opening the 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 voting that early, that's on that's on the Heisman committee. But, but at the same if you're time, voting that early, that's on exactly. You. That's on you, exactly. So it's almost like they need to do a, a, a like a, a a gotcha 
open the voting one year. Right? This is the, don't tell anybody this is the last year we're going to do it. But then everybody who votes early, they're off next year. They're just we're wiping them out. There's like 600 people that vote on that. Do we need 600 people voting on the Heisman Trophy? No, we do not. <laughs> That's a, that, that, that's another. Is that thing. how many there is? That's ridiculous. You go back and look. I I, I don't have the votes. But if you count up the first place votes, it's it's like six hundred something. My God, it's crazy. I, I wonder how many of those people are doing podcasts like us with four hundred viewers or listeners. I, I I don't know. I, from what I can tell, it's not. It's it's old. It's it, it's old school. There aren't six hundred newspapers left in the United States. That's my point. Well, no, no, there may not be newspapers, but there's like, you know, there's, t- you know, TV affiliates, things like that. Come on. When was the last time you saw a sports anchor on your local news station? I don't watch my local news station. Well, I'll so. tell you, those things don't exist either anymore. Well, ex- 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 except for, except for Fox four in the morning, Hannah Batah here, Dallas, who she's worth, she's worth getting up early for. So my, my point is there are very few sports journalists left in the world, much less college sports journalists. And therefore, yeah, I, I want to know who these people are who are voting a month before the season ends and voted for Caleb Williams without being able to watch Max Duggan do what he did in the Big 12 title game. And watch Caleb Williams get thrashed around in the Pac-12 title game. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. But I uh, guess, congratulations, Caleb Williams. And I'm not even sure, does the Heisman jinx still exist now? I haven't heard that talked about in a while, where the Heisman Trophy winner would just blow chunks in his bowl game. Well, I know this much. Joe Burrow won the Heisman Trophy and then proceeded to throw like a million touchdown passes against Oklahoma in 2019. So if there was a jinx, I think it's dead now after Joe Burrow did Yeah, it. see, there we go. It, you know, it, now it's more likely the Heisman Trophy winner doesn't play in a bowl game. And it's not because he's hurt or ineligible. You're not too far off of that. Good Lord. Okay, there we go. There's the bet that needs to be made in Vegas. Will Caleb Williams play in his bowl game? Doesn't he have another uh, year before he can declare? Oh, before he can declare? Okay, hang on. Let me see. I I thought he was a junior. But then again, with all the years of eligibility running around now, it's hard to... It's hard to it's hard out. to keep up with it. Yeah, uh, he's a sophomore. Wow. Who was it? I saw that's coming back for his uh, Frank Harris of Texas San Antonio is coming back for his seventh year. What? What? Seventh year? Good grief. He, yeah, because he, he had his red shirt, his medical red shirt. And in his covid year. Wow, that's good. He, he was one of those guys who played four games in one in one season, but no more. Yep. So he didn't lose that year of eligibility. Yeah, seven change, years of college. Might need, to, might need to change the name of the podcast now. <laughs> Eighth year seniors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is getting. I come on. When, when we created sixth year seniors, there was no such thing as a sixth year senior, or exactly. they were very, 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 rare. very few. Very. COVID few. is just screwing things up. Man. Yeah. Well, okay. So now, now that we have finally talked Heisman, shall we get to the bad news and? and Try to get through this as, as quickly and painlessly as we yeah, can. Yeah, let's, let, let's push through and see what we got. Uh, Mike Leach either suffered a heart attack or a severe stroke on Sunday afternoon in his home. He is in the hospital. Things look very grim. His family has been called to give their last wishes. 
Not going to yeah, go that's... any further into the details because depending on who you're reading and God knows in Twitter, who knows who you're reading when you're reading it. There's a lot of people trying to make a bid to become famous by being the first to announce that Mike Leach is dead. Yeah, I mean, come on. What's what's there to gain by being the first there? Come on. Well, remember I did Joe Paterno. The whole thing where the Penn State uh, college reporter got got snaked oh, by a right. football, by his friend, the football player, who told him Paterno was dead just to fuck with him, and then CBS News picked up on it, which is you know hey good job CBS News for not verifying your sources. Yeah, journalism in the 21st century just top notch. But I, apparently the the real kicker was Lane Kiffin used past tense in talking about Mike Leach to a reporter and the reporter quoted Kiffin verbatim. Oh, and, uh, and yeah, that just set off a firestorm. But uh, as of this moment, Mike Leach is still alive. Now, by the time you're listening to this, we still don't know, but we're not going to tell you that Mike Leach is dead. Or oh, even or even confirm what happened to him to cause this situation, because there's still a couple of different options running around there. Poor if you have for the Pirate. Highly, highly entertaining football coach. Oh, hell yes. Top-notch cameo on Friday Night Lights, season two, where, where Coach Taylor ran into him at the gas station. Good stuff there. Oh, really? Yeah, great stuff. I, 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 I've never watched Friday Night Lights. Call, call awesome. me a communist, but... You're a communist. You're the one that you're the one that bet against Army. The uh, gu- guilty. So, <laughs> uh, Mississippi State does play Illinois in the uh, the quote unquote ReliQuest Outback Bowl on January second. It'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, this is obviously unprecedented territory. Yeah. If you want to have a little uh, levity to the moment, uh, this comes just days after Mississippi State running back Dylan Johnson on Twitter, announced his transfer portalness <laughs> by saying, funny. since I'm not very tough and Leach is glad I'm leaving, I'm entering the transfer portal with hopes of finding a more fitting playing environment for me. Yeah, since I'm not very tough and Leach is glad I am leaving. That, now, granted, I, it, it's, it's not nice to talk poorly of the dead or near dead, but that sounds like something Mike Leach would do. Absolutely. And it's frankly, football. I think the Come people on. around him would say the same and exactly. laugh about it. Yep. But at the same time, if you're another coach and you look at that, are you willing to take on Dylan Johnson? Not because oh, it's oh. Mike Leach, but because he how he burned the bridge with his exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the problem. That's the problem there. And that's what a lot of you're seeing with the transfer portal. There's a lot of dudes who are publicly upset and burning bridges. Do you want to coach that kid? And that's and that's part of the there are more players in the transfer portal than there are spots for them to go. <laughs> yes. I did notice that there was like about 200 wide receivers in the transfer portal as well. And granted, there's more wide receiver positions and quarterback positions, but that just further accents the uh, diva-ness of wide receivers. That's your, that's a very good point. Cause you don't see 200 linemen in a transfer portal. No, of course not. I see a few, but no. Also on the unfortunate health freeway, uh, Grant Wall, I know this has nothing to do with college sports, 
But yeah, it kind of does. Oh, okay. Okay. It kind of does. Grant Wall, one of the greatest soccer journalists in the world, and some would say, frankly, just one of the greatest journalists in the world, passed away while covering the Argentina-Netherlands match Saturday in Qatar. Uh, he was treated at the stadium for about 20 to 30 minutes, then sent to a hospital where he passed away. Uh, he had tweeted the previous Monday that he was sick, had been diagnosed with bronchitis, had been given some good drugs. And at this point, I, I haven't heard what he passed away from, but that that's just, that sucks. And he was young. He was only 49. The There was a CBS. He was still report. a man. Exactly. There was a CBS reporter there in the press box said he thought it, it he thought it was a heart attack. That but it had, doesn't had no surprise other, me. Had no other speculation. I don't know, and, and I'm not going to get into all the all the conspiracy theories and any of this. I don't know how bad his, you know, the 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 bronchitis was versus dropping dead of a heart attack. I know there's a lot of smoke out there about the rainbow shirt and yep. him absolutely taking the uh, FIFA and Qatar to task for how this charade of a soccer tournament has come together. Um, His brother, by the way, who is gay, was the first one who floated the idea that he was killed, not just died. Yeah. And and again, could could be a coincidence, might not be a coincidence. I don't know. don't have the facts. I can't be the one to speculate. But it's it's a huge loss for, like you said, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't just a great sports journalist. He was a great journalist. He was a great college basketball journalist for a good decade for Sports Illustrated before he just up and decided, you know what? I'm going to take it upon myself to try and bring soccer journalism to the mainstream in the United States. He covered, wow, I, he I should covered have like, known that. He covered like five or that. six Final Fours. He covered multiple Final Fours, including he, – he, I know he wrote the cover story for the 2008 Kansas Championship for sports illustrate. And I think he, I think you got the one for, uh, it was either the Maryland or the Syracuse one in 2002 and 2003 as well. But yeah, he was, he was sports Illustrated's top, uh, top college basketball writer for just about a decade. Uh, and, my, uh, he, my brain's he, going then. Cause I, I just, I unfortunately just remember him as a soccer writer for sports illustrated. In fact, the way sports illustrated treated him in taking him out of his sports illustrated job is the reason I dropped sports illustrated. Oh yeah, and then he went. He oh, he, and he then he went in hard on SI after that. Uh, the the stories pouring in all you know all week long about you know what what he had done for other young sports writers out there was just a testament to his work and who he was and how respected he was in uh in the field. And he is a massive massive loss for not like not just soccer journalism, but sports journalism on the whole. Uh, journalism in, in yeah. general. Yeah, there aren't that many good ones out there anymore. And unfortunately, there are many more sitting in their mother's basement claiming to be journalists who aren't. Who just paid for a blue check mark on Twitter. Yeah. yeah. Well, hey, but they paid for that blue check mark through uh, <laughs> through four easy payments through PayPal. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it was wild. I was so I, I knew the I knew the, the soccer game was coming down late. I saw him tweet about the about the the tying goal that the, that the Dutch got. To, oh my to, god, that was an incredible game. goal. That's right. Oh, he, 
he did pass away in extra time. They yeah, it was an extra time. Yeah, he had just tweeted about the tying goal where where the Netherlands, you know, they faked the the free kick up and kicked it under the jumping defense, which was incredible. It, it's and the little, best goal of the World Cup so far. Yeah, yeah, it is. It absolutely is. And then all that fell out in extra time. Just absolutely bonkers. Huh? I got you talking World Cup soccer. Look at you. I know. I know. I'm. I'm. I'm guilty. You got one more week of this. I will have filled my quota for at least two years. Wait, oh, oh, so you'll talk women's soccer, huh? I might talk. I'm, you. You might be able to get me up for two minutes on on Euro twenty four. Oh, maybe. Okay. Okay. Maybe. Man, you, and, and depending on the mood, you might get me for the women's World Cup. Is that next year? Well, okay. It is, so isn't it, it? It, it's screwed up because it's it's usually two years after the World Cup. The men's World Cup, but the men's World Cup was delayed by six months because it's in the freaking desert. So the women's World Cup should take place in the summer of 24. I, I, I thought they were in odd years. I thought it was 11, 15, 19, 23. Oh, okay. Let, let, me, let me check this here. Let me, yeah, because the women's World Cup 99, Brandy Chastain. Okay. I always, I thought they were, yeah, you are correct. So it'd be oh, so yeah. next summer. I know, my, I know, I know soccer more than Alan Caps does. Write it down. <laughs> Look at, monkeys in the truck. Record this. We got this. All right. Well, cool. So I'll, I'll get you in about seven months. No, I won't because we won't be doing the show because we'll be on summer break. That, oh, yep. Yeah, that's, that's going to get, we may have to, we have to do a, a, a mini special for the Women's World Cup. See, that's how you survived this all these years because it used to be in the summer. It used to be in the summer, yeah. Very FIFA decided to put it in the middle of a bunch desert. of jackasses, yeah. One more police blotter note before we get to uh, actual games. This morning at 4.18 a.m. local time, police were called to Texas basketball coach Chris Beard's home on a domestic disturbance call. Beard was arrested and charged with assault of a family member. He's now free on bail. This is not good. As you and I have had texted back and forth today, nothing good happens at 4.18 in the morning. All right. Well, all right. So I saw a report, and I'm, as we're having this conversation, I'm trying to – this is – I've got this from The Athletic here in front of me. APD said it received a 911 call for a disturbance around 12.15 a.m. So I don't know what the four-hour delay is here. Okay, that's it. It possibly could be, although this take a long time for booking but maybe that's for all got the booking booked. that would be my but that's four that. hours yeah that's a long time i guess they'd have to you know they they put them in line with all the drunks and all the you know bar brawlers maybe it does take four hours to book somebody it might yeah i don't know but yeah the horns are supposed to play tonight yeah they're and, playing rice and texas are they the number two team in the nation right now uh, let's see what they are now with the new rankings. I know Connecticut is now number one. And we'll get to the reasons for all of that after the break. But I had just read that Connecticut was one. I didn't see. Oh, this is interesting. I thought I read that Connecticut is number one. No. Purdue is actually the top team in the nation. But to answer your question, Texas is seven in the AP poll and eight in the coaches poll. Okay, so they're top ten. They're not two anymore. Um. UConn's number one in Ken Palm. I think that's what you saw. Yes. Um, so we've got a top 10 team here, final four contender. This isn't a situation that's going to go away overnight. I don't no. know how Texas can <laughs> well, sweep this one under the rug. Uh, well, okay. His attorney, and the fact that Chris Beard has an attorney that quickly, again, says something. 
But his attorney told the Austin American statesman, quote, he should have never been arrested. Listen to this closely. The complainant wants him released immediately and all charges dismissed. Hmm. Now, again, you can talk about women being battered and then not wanting to press charges and the whole bit. And may, that, that could well be it. But, I mean, this is starting to sound really ugly. I, I, I wonder if there's a history here. Yeah. How do you go from being the complainant, which means you're the one who called 911, to wanting him released and all charges dropped? Other than, oh, shit, we've got to deal with the press. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. And, and, and that's attorneys doing attorney things. Of course, what's he supposed to do? Say, oh, yeah, you know, you see, he, he absolutely kicked crap out of her. I don't know. You well, know? I, I can see the attorney saying he should have never been arrested. But the fact that he Just went one that, step further and said the yeah. complainant wants him released immediately. I mean, that's not talking about his client. That's talking about the victim. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I, I don't know if that's just bad lawyering or I don't know this. The, the, the whole situation's a mess. Well, what kind of um, lawyer do you get at 418 in the morning if you don't already have a, one? If you don't, it's a very good point. <laughs> Better call Saul. <laughs> so, yeah, so, yeah, we, that's going to be gonna mess in Austin. Yep. Yeah, and again, that that's uh they host rice in about two hours as we're recording right now. I I can't imagine Chris Beard taking the court tonight. But we'll see where that goes. We'll see where you go next. You deserve a vacation. It's the holidays. Hit up our girl, Wendy Prater, at Magical Journeys Travel. Set you up a quick New Year's getaway. Set up an awesome vacation for the summer. You got options here. All major cruise lines, all-inclusive. Disney, Universal, Southern California, Florida, all this stuff. Custom-made itineraries for you and your traveling crew. Tell Wendy you heard about her on 6th Year Senior. She'll give you $28 off your next trip deposit for the 28 yards that Army threw for in their victory over (laughs) Navy on Saturday. Wendy Prater at Magical Journeys Travel. She makes the plans. You make the memories. I must admit, you you segued out of all that news much better than I could. I, I saw an opening, so I took it. Well, before we get to just basketball news... Let's shed some light on some good news. And this is a great story, especially since you don't know about this. Now now I get to throw this at you. Yes. There's a freshman basketball player at Northwestern State named Hansel Emanuel. He scored his first points of the season on a driving layup with about two minutes to go uh, as Northwestern State defeated La Monroe 91-73 on Saturday. The reason that's important is because he only has one arm Mm. and to make this even better a minute later in the game he misses a free throw and then grabs his own offensive rebound and just jam up dunk on the follow-up it was frighteningly strong wow this guy this guy's got hops this guy's got strength he would be damn good if he had two arms interesting i had not heard about this at all so you, you'll have to find the highlights. I'll, I'll try to find them on and put them on Twitter. Who knows? For all I know, Hansel Emanuel might have three blue checkmark accounts on Twitter right now. <laughs> he, um, he lost his arm when he was six years old after a pile of cinder blocks fell on him in, in the Dominican Republic where he grew oh, up. Oh, wow. And so he's moved past that, parlayed it into a college basketball career. Like I said, I mean, he looked good. 
I mean, there's obviously things you cannot do when you only have one arm, but I mean, even his free throw shooting looked pretty decent. I mean, he, he's got enough of an arm that he can like, you know, balance the ball off of it. Uh, yep. His free throw delivery looks better than a lot of kids. And like I said, that, that rebound and dunk was masterful. Oh, that's crazy. Good stuff. So just another reason to dig on Northwestern State this year. In fact, I mean, they've got a shot. I, I don't think they're the favorite in, I believe that's the SWAC. Are they in the SWAC or the South? No, they're not in the SWAC. They're, okay, they're, they're in the, the, South, the Southland then. Yeah. I, I'm not sure they're favored, but they are one of the favorites uh, in the Southland. So uh, it'd be sweet if, if he could uh, get a minute in the NCAA tournament. That would be Interesting. so cool. Yeah, we need to see that. That's good stuff. So Saturday was a hell of a day of basketball. First day without, you know, a full slate of football and basketball picked it up very nicely. The highlight had to be Alabama winning at Houston 71-65. And not just winning at Houston, but the way they did it, being down 15 in the second half, then turning it on, flipping the switch, winning on the road at the number one team in the nation. What can you say? Big time, a uh, big time ball from Nate Oates is uh, Crimson Tide there. I, I think this is another example of how this season is just going to be batshit crazy. Any team can beat any team anywhere in the nation. And and that's why the NCAA tournament is going to, it's going to be the COVID year that we missed out on. I really, really believe that now. This is going to be 2020 all over. Dayton's not, Dayton's not going to be the number one overall seed, so I'm not ready, I'm not ready to go that far yet. But I do think I, I, I do think it's super crazy this year with a, a high degree of parity come March. Yeah, Bama figured out Houston. This is something that teams should have done 20 years ago to Virginia. They sped up the game, and it prevented Houston from getting set up in its defense. And Houston is incredible when they have time to set up a defense. But if you can shred through that defense before they set up, they're vulnerable. Hey, ACC, why didn't you do that years ago with the Cavaliers? This is how, but this is how Virginia defends against that that exact strategy. Not just defends offense, but defends against the strategy. They literally send nobody to the glass well, for offensive true, rebound. Yeah. It's just yeah. we're, we're we're peeling back. You can have the ball. We're peeling back. So it, it's it's a matter of. You know, we're we're gonna get we're gonna give you the glass, and Virginia's fine with that because because th- they feel that they're efficient enough where they can afford to not have to crash the boards. Sometimes it works, and when it doesn't work, that's when they get themselves in trouble because then then it forces them to have to get more aggressive on the glass, and that's where they can get counterattack. There's your yeah, soccer terminology for basketball right there. Got to get them on the counterattack. Got to get them on the counter. And as I look at this, they are the eighth best team in offensive rebounding percentage, according to Ken Palm. So you're right. Houston does not lay back on the offensive end. Yeah. But they'll smother you defensively when they get set up. So No doubt. Number two defense yep. in the nation. Yeah. In fact, as I that's look a, at this. That's thing, a big, big time win for Alabama. Uh, Tennessee is number one. That's not gotcha. surprising. And of course, Saturday, Houston and Virginia, which could set basketball back about 30 years, but I hope that Houston plays aggressively enough that it just doesn't turn into a, you know, a one and out, one and out situation that ends up being 43 to 42. 
I think it's going to be an interesting chess match for sure, and I'm looking forward to it. In other games, Memphis beat Auburn 82-73 in Atlanta, and now Memphis happens to be going to Alabama on Tuesday. The plot thickens, thinking they can knock off both Iron Bowl teams in, in one fell swoop here. Uh, Auburn's first loss of the season. Yeah, and that leaves only eight teams without a loss. Uh, that was Houston's first loss of the year as well. Yep. So with that, Connecticut is your new number one in Ken Palm. They're 11-0. and Over a two-week period, from November 24 to December 7, they beat five top 60 Ken Palm teams, only one of them at home. They beat Oregon, Bama, and Iowa State in the Phil Knight Invitational. And then have also knocked off Oklahoma State and Florida since then. UConn's back in the Big East now. Because they, they split the football program off independent so that UConn could, so the basketball team could go back to the Big East, correct? Correct. Just want to throw this out here, all right? You see teams like, and I'm curious to see how this works when Texas and Oklahoma move to the SEC. I've been bitching about this for years. Because when Miami and Virginia Tech joined the ACC in football, immediately went to the toilet. Somebody else brought this up on Twitter over the weekend. Pitt and Boston College, while they were never, you know, top end elite, you know, best of the best annual Final Four contenders, they had solid basketball teams. Join the ACC, basically going to the toilet. UConn sticks to its roots. They, yeah, they went to the American for a bit, split it up, they're back in the Big East, and now they're they're top of the top of the sport again. Is is the culture of a basketball program, and I'm saying even more so than a football program, is the culture of a basketball program that tied to a conference? Is there a direct correlation to that? I'm curious to see how how what what Texas and Oklahoma do when they go to the SEC. I I, I don't I have no idea on this, but I'm starting to develop a theory. I still do not believe that when Texas and Oklahoma join the SEC, the SEC will be what it is as a configuration. It may still have the name, but it will not have the same lineage that it does before. And second, I do not understand why football has to screw up every other sport for a university. It like, like Connecticut it, it, is a perfect example. Stay in the Big East for basketball, but not in football. Although, I mean, Big East doesn't exist anymore, but the American. Have your own, have your own football thing. We've, yeah. talked about this, we've talked about this before. Notre Dame's a Big Ten team. In hockey, but that's it. Why is football and basketball so interlinked where you can't, you know, go one way on one, one on the other? It's so stupid. And I know we get on these rants two or three times a year. I guess you'd have to ask the university presidents and the conference commissioners that. I Because the, it's the basketball commissioners who allowed yeah. this to happen. Yep. I, they, they could have just said, okay, yeah, Texas and Oklahoma – Go to the SEC for football, but you're yeah. coming back to the Big 12 for basketball. Yeah, I don't know. It's so stupid. Well, actually, we know the reason. Money. Oh, of course. Duh. Speaking of money, Arizona and Indiana were in Las Vegas on Saturday. <laughs> Arizona posted the 89-75 victory. They jumped to a 29-12 lead in the first 10 minutes, never looked back. And again, there's a great example these two teams could play 10 times and each would win five. And there'd probably be a couple blowouts on either side. There's just so much talent across the board that games like this 
are very hard to handicap because you never know what's going to happen from game to game. Big win there for Arizona getting back on the, uh, getting back on the right track after getting knocked off last week. That's a big time win. That, that Indiana win will look very good on the resume come March. Oh, no doubt. Cause I mean, Indiana is going to be a solid basketball team. Yep. Would not surprise me if they end up big 10 champions. Would not surprise me either. Also on the Western front, St. Mary's picks up a big win in Phoenix over San Diego state, 68, 61, Logan Johnson, 15 points, six rebounds, four steals. You were wondering if St. Mary's was might be taking a step back. That's a good win, and they were competitive against Houston. Maybe, maybe the maybe the Gales still got something in the tank here. I, I do hope so. College basketball obviously is better when the West Coast Conference is good. Yep. I, I'm, I'm still worried about BYU. And Gonzaga will make the tournament. They're probably going to be the best West Coast Conference team, but they aren't elite as they have been. Who knows? Maybe this is the year that St. Mary's could actually knock up Gonzaga and win the West Coast. Could be. Zags might be a little vulnerable. Boise State beat St. Louis on the road, 57-52. Chibozo Agbo, 18 points. Big road win for Boise. Boise quietly just plugging away under the radar. I'm interested to see what the Bongos got next. St. Louis, that's their fourth loss of the year. It's all against good teams, but I'm really waiting for St. Louis to get that one big victory. They've got one against Memphis, but Memphis is, I'm not sure what Memphis is right now. Of course, Memphis is always, I'm not sure what Memphis is. Maybe we'll, we'll have a better idea what Memphis is after they play Bama this week. Yeah. Well, no, yeah. we won't because they could either beat Bama by 15 or lose to Bama by 15. And we still won't know what Memphis is. Yeah, you're, pro- you're probably right on that. Earlier in the week, Ohio State beat Rutgers 67-66. Controversial game-winning three. I saw the replay of this, and the fact that they can they can review the clock, but you can't review with players, that's kind of bad. Come on. Uh, for those who haven't seen this, uh, Tanner Holden hit the three well before the buzzer. No problem there except he'd run a good two steps out of bounds and then was the first player to touch the ball after he'd come back in bounds, yeah. which is not legal. You can, yeah, you, you cannot be the first person to touch it once you come back in bounds. But the official could only review the clock. They could not review their blown call on him being out of bounds, which makes no sense. No sense whatsoever. On Wednesday, Miami of Florida and Cornell put on a show 107 to 105 in regulation. Mm. Now, to put that in perspective, Bama and North Carolina scored eight fewer points in four overtimes. Which is another entire half of basketball. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was a great game. 144 shots, and the teams combined to hit 53% from the field, or 1.34 points per possession. For both teams, combined for both teams. For both teams, teams combined. That is insane efficiency. Just defense optional here. That's great. Cornell's Chris Mannion, this is the best stat line of the night. He came off the bench, scored a co-team high 18 points in just 21 minutes. He took 16 shots in 21 minutes. Finney Microwave Johnson territory right there. We're just putting everything up. (laughs) I'm getting 20 minutes, but I'm going to get 20 shots. On Tuesday in New York, Duke beat Iowa 74-62, and Illinois beat Texas 85-78 in overtime. 
That was the Texas loss. We, we that was the one we had. We, we were talking about on the air last week. I said, "Wait a minute, Illinois in overtime." Wait, what? How'd that happen? Yeah, they were five down with fifty six seconds to go in regulation. Got back to force overtime and then just pulled right away. Terrence Shannon had twelve of his sixteen in that final five minutes. I'm gonna go ahead and say this and just go ahead and get it out into the out into the ether right now. Duke has just been quietly plugging along here, picking up wins. Jeremy Roach had 22 against Iowa the other night, looking really, really solid. I'm just going to throw this out here just so I, it doesn't have to be the elephant in the room for the rest of the season. If you look at the history of Carolina and Duke, when one team goes to the Final Four, the other one seems to go shortly thereafter. Now, that means that they both went last year. We know this. Does that mean neither goes? Does that mean I Wake mean, Forest goes? All, all I know is that you you know, not ninety one Carolina Duke go to the Final Four. Ninety two Duke you know Duke wins the title in ninety one. Duke wins the title in ninety two. Carolina wins the title in ninety three. Ninety seven ninety eight Carolina goes to the Final Four. Ninety nine Duke goes to the Final Four. Two thousand Carolina goes back to the Final Four as an upset. Duke wins the title in two thousand one. Now the 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 out well no Duke goes to the final four in two thousand four Carolina wins the title in two thousand five Carolina wins the title in two thousand nine Duke wins the title in two thousand ten Duke wins the title in twenty fifteen Carolina goes to the championship in twenty sixteen and wins it in twenty seventeen Carolina beats Duke in the final four in twenty twenty one What does that mean Duke probably goes to the final four in twenty twenty two I'm just throwing it out there right now I'm just I'm getting it out into the ether so so I, I so so it's it's off my ch- off my chest I get the monkey off my back. That's therapy for me, okay? So tell me, that if that happens, then how soon does ESPN get on the Jeremy Roach bandwagon? Oh, it, it'll be... It'll be a few more weeks. It, 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 we'll, we'll have to get in... We'll, ha- we'll have to get into deep into January before they really start picking it up. But it, 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 it'll... If, if that's going to be the case, it, it'll be... It'll happen sooner rather than later. And how long after ESPN gets on that bandwagon does Jeremy Roach's shoe fall off and he's injured for the rest of his life? It's not that. It's not that kind of thing. Now. Although I do, it is not. I'll, I'll say it's nice to see Zion back and relatively healthy and and and, and throwing down emphatic dunks in garbage time against the Suns, as we saw over the weekend. Zion with the run out 360 tomahawk jam with like seven seconds left. Or no, it was two seconds left. It was great. But brought the yeah, house it was, down. It was New really Orleans. late. Yeah, and, was and then the Suns Good. had the gall to be upset about it. It's like, hey, how about the other 136 points you allowed? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked. I'm shocked that a, that a team that employs Chris Paul is whining about something. So come on. <laughs> He's awful. Let's see. Also on Tuesday. Boston College loses another game that it should have won easily. They lose 74-71 to oh, New Jesus. Hampshire. I'm, at I missed this. Good Lord. Yeah, New Hampshire's Clarence Daniels, career high 34 points, 14 rebounds. New Hampshire was a 14.5 point dog. BC, at home, goes 3 for 22 from behind the arc. So let it be let it be known that I went on that Pitt and Boston College tangent earlier without seeing this result. That's that's a joke. Come on. <laughs> Although so speaking of teams that go to the, come to the ACC and shit the bed in basketball, I did see that Louisville did move up one ranking in Ken Palm this week. 
one ranking, huh? Yeah. Well, that's they, 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 that's probably because they played Florida State, so they I, just did it off the uh, you know off their opponent. Yeah, yeah, they lost. They lost. They lost, they lost handily, but they did jump IUPUI in the uh, in the Ken Palm as of as of oh the, as of the end of the game the other day. I was watching California late night a couple days ago. Oh, they were I'm sorry. A, they were a four point favorite against Eastern Washington at home and never sniffed the lead in the second half. I was going to say Eastern. What Eastern Washington win by 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 a dozen? I they were up by double digits a lot of the game. Cal made a late run. I think they got within four with a couple minutes to go, uh, and then couldn't close the door at all. Good lord! Cal cannot score. I, that's what it comes down to. They actually played some decent defense. Granted, Eastern Washington is no great shakes, but California does not have a scorer on their entire team. What would happen if Cal played Louisville right now? I mean, would just the world and the court just implode into a black hole? It would be like the Army Navy game. Oh, and 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 people would just beg for somebody to score in overtime to get it over. They they go to Golden Goal. <laughs> rather than playing the five-minute <laughs> overtime. First team to score wins. <laughs> I'm not sure, man. I, I, I don't think I've actually seen Louisville play this year, but watching Cal, that was, man, that was torture. Louisville's bad. Louisville is as bad a Power 5 team right now as I can remember. Uh, Cal's a pretty bad Power Five team, right? And now. I, that's what I and I haven't seen Cal, so that's why I'm, I'm wondering how just just how bad each of those teams are compared to each other because both sound just like complete and utter dumpster fires. That would be interesting. Cause I say I don't think Cal could score against Louisville, but I'm not sure Louisville can score against Cal. It might be like 40-40 at at the end of regulation. I, th- I think there'd be, I think that there'd be probably I know Louisville would turn the ball over enough where Cal could probably get a few runouts at least. So. Uh, no, they'd probably miss the layups. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, going back to Monday, Gonzaga beat Kent State seventy three sixty six. That's the second time Kent State has looked pretty good against a really talented opponent. They they only lost to Houston forty nine forty four earlier in the year. Yeah, Kent and uh, did Kent State have the lead on the Zags with three minutes left here? Uh, they had a I, lead late in the second half. I know that. Okay, yeah, it was. Yeah, Kent State's really, really good. But the again, funny they, thing is, though, they're really, really good. But their best win is against Portland. They look really good against really good teams, and then look really bad against really bad teams. They're they're playing up. They're playing down to the competition and up. So I've never some, seen the team play up. this far up and this far down. Though. It's, cra- it's, it's crazy. Good. Yeah. Well, let's take a look at what we have coming this week. The schedule's fairly light. We still are in uh, finals weeks for most of the universities, but there's some good games going on. And Saturday uh, should keep you very entertained. Start at on Tuesday. The highlight is Memphis at Alabama. 6 p.m. Vegas time on ESPN2. Be interesting to see what the Tigers got for, for Alabama. Total letdown spot for the Tide here. They're they're back at home. They feel like that maybe they can breathe a little bit. Memphis is enough of a named team, though. I would guess the Tide would be up for it, but we'll see. Should be interesting. you got to be up for Penny Hardaway and his son. you got to be. We'll see. On Wednesday, the 6 p.m. game of the night is UCLA at Maryland on Fox Sports 1. Future, future Big Ten rivalry here. Lots of implications. <laughs> yeah, when USC and UCLA make that 
uh, make that weekend doubleheader run to Rutgers and Maryland. And make it to Scataway College Park. <laughs> Do the Friday-Sunday swing. That's nice. On Friday at 5.30, Fox Sports 1, Creighton and Marquette. That should be a really good game. That's a good, good game. If you need something on while you're doing some Christmas wrapping or, or, or things of the like, that's, that's a really good Big East game on a random Friday night in December. And then the Saturday schedule. Here we go. Starts early, 9 a.m. this time. ESPN2, Indiana at Kansas. Indiana at Kansas at Allen Fieldhouse. What more can you ask for that? Two classic programs, an all-time great venue, uh, top 15 showdown. This is good stuff here. Do not miss it. At 10 a.m. on CBS, Alabama has its second big challenge of the week. They host Gonzaga. It's 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 in Birmingham. It's not on campus, but it's a home game for for, for It's Bama. a home game. Uh, you, you know, Gonzaga's not going to come down to to Coleman Coliseum. You know, <laughs> they need a big time arena exactly. if, if the Zags are going to go on. If the Zags are going to you know come across the country and play, we need to play in front of a big crowd. So they're going to the BJCC. We'll see what happens uh, between Zags and the Tide here. It should be good. At 11 a.m., Houston, Virginia, oh. on ESPN two. What do you think the total that game will be? I'm thinking like about 108. I'll take it a little bit. I, if you say, I'll go over. I'll, I'll go over 108. Let's see. Actually, Ken Palm would have that matchup already put together. Now, this is just a Ken Palm total. Uh, he has it at 113, 57-56, Virginia winning. I'd still go over that. It's, it's gonna. Get, I think it gets into the 60s. Oh, no. I no. If I can get a teen on it, uh, 113, I'm definitely going under. I think he gets in the 60s. We'll see. Big, big time showdown there. One versus three. John Paul Jones Arena on campus. That's off. That's an awesome, awesome matchup. At noon, your North Carolina Tar Heels are facing Ohio State in New York on CBS. Well, the, the last time that, that Carolina played in Duke's home arena, they won uh, I'm going to guess they have uh, have a have a good matchup here in Madison Square Garden against Ohio State. Carolina got got back, you know, got off the Schneid against Georgia Tech over the weekend. Looked fairly competent doing it. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what the heels got for uh, for a pretty good Buckeyes team. At 2:30, another classic matchup: UCLA Kentucky in New York on CBS. The the back half of the CBS Sports Classic there, good blue blood game there. That's good stuff. Hey, uh, by the way, I think you mentioned one versus two when you talk about Houston and Virginia. I said one versus three. I don't know if there is Virginia two out there somewhere. Uh, Virginia is two. Uh, Houston is either five or four, depending on which poll you look at. Uh, Purdue, by the way, is your new number one, according to the AP and the coaches. My, my thing hasn't updated. It's still showing, still showing them at one. Yeah, the interesting thing is uh, Virginia actually got more coaches first place votes than Purdue. Uh, but they are number two in both uh, in both polls. Speaking but of it's, Purdue, it's all over the place. In fact, now that I look down this AP, uh, somebody voted for Tennessee number one. They are now sixth in the polls. Interesting. Speaking of Purdue, three fifteen Big Ten Network. They've got an interesting non-conference visitor from uh, from Davidson Wildcats. We'll see if Davidson's got anything for Zach Eady and the Boilermakers. I saw that. I, Zach Eady can't, uh, he can't guard everybody, can he? 
No, no. But Zach Eadie, Although, did uh, you see the uh, did you see the defensive step out that he had against Nebraska late in the game? I did. I, just Man. impressive. He was out by the he was past the free throw line defending a jump shooter in the last I want to say twenty seconds of that game, and then he came back and got the rebound. Zach Eady is a man among boys, right? He now. is. He has made significant. He was solid last year, but I, I wasn't sold on his conditioning. He has made the the step up this season, and right now is handily the lead. It's early, but he's handily the leader for uh, national player of the year. I would hope so. And finally, uh, late night on Saturday, Tennessee, Arizona on ESPN two at seven thirty Vegas time, as well. Vanderbilt and North Carolina State are in Chicago on CBS Sports. Why are Vandy and State playing in Chicago? Because one of them asked for a Chicago street fight, and the other said, what is a Chicago street fight? I don't know. So they had to go to Chicago to have Chicago street <laughs> So the, yeah, they have to go to Chicago to learn what a Chicago street <laughs> fight is. Oh, man. That tends to the Arizona game. McHale Center ought to, be, uh, ought to be jacked up for that. That'll be good. That's the number one defense in the nation in Tennessee. On Sunday, 10 a.m. start on ESPN, Stanford at Texas. Who knows what condition Texas is going to be in now? I'm sure it's going to be a mess. That that game's in Dallas for some reason. I don't know why. Well, because Stanford needs a big arena. Oh, obviously, that's right. (laughs) They they only play in NBA arenas. Hey, there's a couple of uh, historically black college games on Sunday as well that are worth viewing. At 11, uh, both of these are on ESPNU. At 11, North Carolina A&T is at Norfolk. And at 1.30, Hampton is at Texas Southern. That second game could be really good. Ooh, Hampton, Texas Southern could be could be good. And finally, 2.30 p.m. on ESPN, Auburn at USC. Oh, the Aubs actually going out west? Wow, they sure are. And then coming back to Monday, it's a very light schedule. There's really nothing to note. Uh, And that's when we'll come back to you next with the first half of a college basketball preview going through 16 conferences plus some others to get you started on your holiday listening pleasure. That's full slate for Saturday. That Saturday slate's really good. No kidding. I'm going to enjoy that. That's going to be fun. I've got nothing else for the listening audience. I filled my soccer quota. We talked football. We talked hoops. I'm good. Well, we'll come back to you on Wednesday, and we'll have bowl picks. That's right. More guaranteed winners for the bowl games. I believe they start on the 16th. We're going to go through December 24 on our Wednesday picks. And like I said, we'll come back on Monday with a college basketball preview. The week after that, again, college bowl picks on Wednesday, college basketball previews, on Monday. Sounds like a plan. Well, for for Balky, Larry, President Obama, Gary Hart, and the total package, Lex Luger, that's the best producer in the business, Alan Caps. I'm Mikey Watson. We will do this again on Wednesday. We're going to make some picks. We're going to make some money. We're going to do it right here on Six Year Seniors. <laughs>